Pastor David again here on Take a Knee. And I want to thank you again for joining me. Last week we had a, an opportunity to talk about worship. If you missed that segment, go back and check it out. Today I want to talk to you about the heart of a team player. The heart of a team player. Many of us have had the experience of being on a team. Uh, so many of us have. And sometimes whether we liked it or not, growing up, it was likely that we got picked for the kickball team or whatever. Those experiences can be good if you got picked first. Do you remember that? You got picked first or maybe somewhere in the middle, but you could have also gotten picked last. And if that was the case, that wasn't such a fun experience. But then there are those of us in the world who don't really care one way or the other. We just really like to play. Really like to play whatever's going on. Hey, pick me. I just want to take the recess time. I want to have that pickup game. I want to join with the neighborhood or the church folks for a game. You don't really care where you end up. But when it comes to playing sports or really anything in life, it takes being on a team to play. And that's the way it works. You've got to be a part of that team for it to really be fun for you to win or to enjoy the experience. Teamwork is an interesting study, and the whole idea of forming a team at times is a struggle because, you know, we tend to fight over who's in charge, who will do what, what who's going to play in what position, who's going to have the more prominent position, and people, you know, quitting when things don't get planned the way they like it to be planned. So, I like the idea of herding cats. You've heard that analogy or maybe the commercial. And it's so descriptive and true of being a part or leading a team. Sometimes it's pretty tough. You know, Jesus was a team leader, wasn't he? He was a perfect team leader, of course, and we can learn from his example. He formed a team of 12. He gathered these 12 men together and he was going to pour into them. And then so when he chose them, then he led them, showing them where they were going to go, who they're going to be, and you know what they were going to do, how they were going to learn in the course of how Jesus was taking them from community to community. He mentored them. That's a great word. And then the scripture says he sent them out two by two, essentially to do what they were taught. And so they didn't do their own thing. They did what Jesus showed them to do. He discipled them in, in ministry. He discipled them in how to minister to the hungry, the thirsty, to um, represent the heart of God. And, and, and so he had an opportunity to show them how it was done. So what does it take to, to be on a team, stay on a team? and be a successful team player. Because, you know, I'm talking about Christianity, but I want to kind of digress here just for a moment because it will help us. I have enjoyed many years of being a part of a team and coached different teams when my you know children were playing baseball or soccer, um, athletics, of course, but also part, being a part of planning group teams being on teams in a work situation, and of course, the church. And I've learned so much because I've experienced just about every position that you can take on these teams, especially in the church. I went from the sweeping up floors and moving tables to an executive pastor, children's pastor, youth pastor, worship leader, 
and now a senior pastor for 18 years. So let me take a moment here to just explain kind of how teams work using a football analogy. Of course, this is called Take a Knee, so I'm going to be using some ideas that uh, when we talk about coaching, that that's really my heart. On every team, the heart of every player is tested in so many different ways. And the best way that I can find here in just the next few minutes is to describe this phenomenon of teamwork and a team heart is to create different players or to describe the heart of different players that I have seen. So let's take a look at that. Four different kinds of players that you'll see on a team. Number one is the confident athlete or the confident team player. What I find out about the confident athlete is they love the game. They love to play and they know the game and they're ready to work hard. They're ready to to jump in and do their part. The coach often smiles and he expects a whole lot from that player because he knows he's skilled and and he can see that he has an attitude to want to work. And so the coach, he doesn't really have to do much except to, you know, inspire from time to time, show him which way to go, who what, what, what the strategy of this particular uh, game is going to be. And in the end, the confident athlete is going to inspire the rest of the team. So that's the confident athlete. Then you have the, the reluctant athlete. This is a person who loves to play, but is not sure about their abilities. There's some insecurity surrounding their ability to contribute. They suffer often with self-confidence, and it affects how he or she plays the game. And I call this the last 20%. It's the old, you know, 80-20 theory. And it's so true. They're an 80% player, and that last 20% has got to be pushed. It's got to be prodded and coached to get it out of them. I've seen this. So you've got someone who's got, they're skilled, they're, they're, but they suffer with a little confidence issue. And so it needs to be coached. It needs to be drawn out. It needs to be pushed a little bit. And again, this makes the position of the coach invaluable. That's why a coach is needed, to really draw that out of players and to keep them cohesive, how they're working together. So, of course, that's why they make the big bucks, right? And then there's the distracted athlete. And when we think of that person, they're not sure they really want to play. It was a good idea to join the team at the time, but the work and the effort in the end was just too much. And so they kind of tend to drag along for all the wrong reasons. And again, it affects the rest of the team. Now, they may have some measure of skill. They may have interest. But because they're distracted, they tend to, again, affect the rest of the team. They've got other things going on. Their commitment level's not 100% there. Sometimes they can be coached through inspiration, but often their lack of passion will affect the whole team's ultimate success. And then the coach has to make some very hard decisions regarding this player and or players like this because there may be others that can fill that spot that will really help the rest of the team grow. You can see these dynamics are... Are, are tough. And then finally, there's the complaining athlete. And that would be the one or the team player that's the complainer. And it's pretty clear they would rather be doing something else. They're talented, but their heart is ultimately selfish, and they can pull the whole rest of the team down. 
They tend to be very talented, but again, their heart misdirects their efforts so that they are pulling against the team. And a lot of times it's it's a matter of rebellion. It's a, it's a struggle because it's pretty obvious to everyone else that they really rather not be there. But for one reason or another, they stick it out. Maybe they just think it's, you know, uh, a good experience or they got nothing better to do. But a rebellious heart ultimately spreads like gangrene among the other players, and they can question the team's vision or style of play. The problem is it's not their skill or insight. What I mean is it's that's not their problem. The problem is not that they, they have skill and insight. They, they often are incredibly talented. The problem is their heart. It's the heart. So in these four different examples, we can see this take place. You know, for a team to be successful, every player must examine their heart. So you got to ask yourself the question, do you really want to be on that particular team? Do you really want to be doing what they're doing? Do you agree with the team vision? You know, lately, you've probably heard of Tom Brady. And if you haven't, then I'm not sure where you've been. But Tom Brady is a very famous quarterback, probably the greatest quarterback in professional football of all time. And he played for the Patriots for many, many years, 20 years, I think. And then he moved to Tampa Bay, which really shocked everyone. And he did it for several reasons, but two, for me, come to mind that are kind of unique to our discussion here today, is the team that he was playing for was no longer the team he used to play for. And Tampa Bay was a team he knew he could make successful with his passion. In other words, he could contribute. He was not going to take over. He's he's too excellent of an athlete. He, He understood the process of how the team should work. He knew his place. He knew his position. He knew he was not the coach. And for him to be able to see a successful team, he knew that because the dynamics of the team had changed, he needed to leave. And he did. So he found another team that could use his talents, that he, he, he could serve the vision and not complain about it. And as an athlete he, athlete, he knew it was time to leave because it was not his place to coach that team. It's not his place. He's a player, and he serves the vision. And so that's what he did. He found him a place where he could serve and know that he was doing right by the coach and right by the team, and ultimately how he would be happy. And so this is... This is a process that I think when we when we think about the kingdom of God and however we're serving, it, it, it's something that I think we really need to give thought to. See, when a person's heart is not with the team, they instinctively pull against it by half-stepping, by complaining, by subverting the vision, by replacing it with their own. At first, this, of course, this effect is, is not really seen, but in time, two visions appear. And we call this division or division or two visions. That's what it means. Division from a biblical standpoint is destructive, which is why we have to be careful and why we need to be looking for it every day when we are considering our heart and where we stand and what God has called us to do. We can see these things every day in life, and it's amazing. Because if you take a moment to begin looking for it, you will see it. Jesus followed the vision of the Father. He's the ultimate example, folks. Even if it meant death, he was going to do what Jesus 
I'm sorry, what his father had called him to do. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that, that he did not see equality with God, something to be grasped. He knew it was true, but he, he knew he was the son of God. He knew he was God, but it wasn't something he was going to use to his advantage. He was called to serve and then to die. He was submitted. He said, not my will, Father, but yours be done. This submissive heart is what made that team from heaven work. That's why we are saved. And again, Jesus is always a standard when it comes to this heart. Now, of course, Judas was a plant from the enemy. He was one of the 12, and he tried to distract and slow down the work of God. Of course, that was not going to happen. In the end, God was able to use Judas's rebellious heart for his own ends. And so you even saw it on Jesus' team, didn't we? See, you live long enough and you will see that no one who stirs rebellion and division ever succeeds. They just don't. It doesn't end well for them. If a member of a team is having a difficult time embracing the vision or the direction of the said team, then they either have to suck it up and get on board, trusting the leader's success or vision, or move on and find a team that has a philosophy of play that they agree with. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Not a bit wrong with that. The only thing that's wrong when it comes to team play is a person who says, I want to try to change the team when it's not their place. And so, of course, you know, God can work this and change the heart of anyone. You know, I've been in situations, and I'm sure you have been too, where you know you're struggling against what is being said and what is happening. Boy, have I been there. I served another pastor for 22 years. 22. That's how long I've been doing this. And then you also heard that I've been a senior pastor for 18. What I learned in the first 22, I was able to use and understand in the next 18. And that is, you know what? You reap what you sow. And what I learned in those first 22 years have really been beneficial to my life. And that was to serve the senior pastor that I was called to hold the armor up for, to stand and defend him. Even when there were times I didn't understand why he was doing what he was doing, I would never embarrass him or call him out publicly. I would never try to intentionally sabotage what we were doing. I never took the opportunity like Absalom to sit outside the the church doors and try to talk down and lift myself up. Never did. I knew that was death. That was wrong. And thank God, by God's grace, I learned enough about teamwork and enough about taking your position and doing what you're told in, in, in the end was going to create success, not only for the team, but for me. And boy, did I enjoy those days. I remember running off the field. I remember even having opportunities once or twice to, to, to know that what I had done was a was that changed the course of the game, even won the game, whether it was a touchdown or a, or a, a couple of baskets or, or whatever it is that I was able to do. I think you know that I'm talking about more than just athletics. I'm talking about your work. I'm talking about your family. I'm talking about your service to any group you are called to serve. That heart, to know that you're gifted and qualified and to use it for the glory of God is what it's all about. And no, God is watching. And, and it's, not a, it's not a pattern or a template that has not already been shown to us. Jesus exemplified this in every way. My last thought is this. In warfare, 
It is necessary that every soldier aggressively fight with the training they have been given. In other words, that soldier, he's got to go out there and he knows this is life or death. There's no goofing off. There's no playing around. There's no, I don't want to do this. There's no room for the distracted soldier or the rebellious soldier. There's no room because there are lives on the line. Because when he's fully trained, this not only helps to save his own life, but the lives of his comrades for his friends, the ones who are looking to him to fire in the direction to protect all of them. I would like to think that being a Christian is no less dangerous, my friend, or life-impacting when we think of life or death. And the stakes are just as high, aren't they? Learn to be a team player, my friend, and you will enjoy being on more winning teams and experiencing some tremendous victories. Thanks for joining me today on Take a Knee. God bless you.